0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Stress Podcast. I am beyond excited today to welcome two podcast guests to the show, Charles Mitchell and Dr. Daryl Jones. Hi, the two of you. How are you doing today?
1: Julia, good to see you.
0: Thank you. Good to see you, too. I always start my podcast off very simply because I always like to pick up people where you are at right now. Um, So, why don't we start with Charles? Can you tell us? Where you are located, what time it is, and what you've been up to this morning. Oh, <laughs>
1: so I am. Uh, I'm in. I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh, nice. Um, it is 3:08 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We could have a whole conversation about Arizona time because. It's three oh eight right now. In about six months, it'll be four oh eight because our time doesn't change relative to Pacific Standard Time. Anyway, it's another conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow, uh, it's afternoon here, obviously, and and I've I've had a busy day. I um was uh was actually a guest on a podcast first thing this morning. I had two work calls right after that, and then I had a, a lunch meeting with a client uh, from my business. Uh, came back and uh, was on another call with. Daryl, Dr. Jones a little bit earlier, and now, fortunate enough to spend some time with you.
0: Amazing. Great. And what is your business?
1: I'm in the staffing and recruiting business. So we, uh, we, we're we basically in the business of finding talent for employers um, at the entry level as well as at the executive level. So um,
0: amazing.
1: do a lot of work in healthcare, a lot of work uh, in finance and accounting, a lot of work in customer service environments, um, supporting all types of companies.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for the introduction. Dr. Jones, how about you?
2: Well, I feel like a second-class citizen now after Charles' morning. (laughs) 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 Julia, I worked out, I met a friend for breakfast, and I have a hobby that's taken up a lot of my time. I mix music.
0: Oh, amazing. So I
2: I mixed about four songs, and uh, then I had a podcast with Charles, so I haven't done any work yet, so.
0: Okay, well, good thing we're finally meeting up yeah, here right
2: now, exactly. right? He, he does you-
1: all his important work, you know, in the <laughs> evening hours, right? I do, no, I do. That's what
2: he does. He's a nighttime guy.
0: Uh, okay, and do you also live in Arizona or do you live somewhere else?
2: I literally could walk to Charles's house in less than 15 minutes. So, yes, I'm also in Scottsdale. We're both near Arcadia Old Town area
0: amazing i actually just visited scottsdale at the end of march for another bachelorette party <laughs>
2: oh, you know what? it is a, <laughs> a, theme. a theme. Right, Julia, you a know theme. what
0: <laughs> and you know what i was actually really surprised um i had been to arizona before um but mostly to sedona and so first time in scottsdale i really loved it and i couldn't believe how many bachelorette parties were going on at the time and i didn't yes. know that scottsdale was a mecca of bachelorette Reunions
1: and parties. And And by the way, it's not tame, just so you know.
0: It's not tame. That was also our experience. But we we made it our own. But we went to the B Road and it was incredible. (laughs) Were you in a hotel
2: or did you guys Airbnb?
0: We Airbnb'd.
2: Okay. Yeah. It's a lot of activity for uh, parties here.
0: Yeah. No, it was was really awesome. We did an ATV tour, Um, it was awesome. And we did a little hike. I don't remember what it was, but it was a very famous hike that's super steep, and you're never going to do that in oh, June you're, you're, uh, during the daytime. Camelback
1: Mountain,
2: yeah. Camelback I, Mountain,
0: I, I, that's exactly it. People
2: doing that every day, yeah, sure. So, yeah. so, can Charles and I selfishly ask? Well, I'm asking. I'm throwing Charles in there. <laughs> where was your best dinner here?
0: Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Um, We actually cooked a lot ourselves. Okay. Um, we went only out once in the evening, um, and we kind of. Did that last minute so we went to an italian restaurant um somewhere downtown and it was all right but nothing that i would okay. uh, call wow. out here or recommend Yeah, <laughs> right, well next yeah, time but let us know we'll, know.
2: we'll set, you set you up
0: okay,
1: okay. yeah the fine. moment you said you did it last minute i knew it was somewhere that was probably yeah. like, <laughs> tough to get this place is a hot dining market and mm-hmm. reservations are premium so uh but next time let us know we'll no, DJ was right. with lots of people,
2: he can make that happen for you. Oh, okay, thank
0: Charles. you so much. When did you start your podcast?
2: This is our third year, so June of 20, Charles. Is that right? Right when we started, yeah, 13. June of 2020.
0: The Conscious Vibe. Um, why mm-hmm. did you start this podcast?
2: Charles, I'll let you tell the story. You know, it's it's
1: it's interesting. Um, you know, my story is not going to be much different than than DJ's. The reality is, we um, we met uh, through a mutual friend, mutual fraternity brother, and um, I'll do the cliff notes. DJ probably has more of a a, a more long winded story, but we. Um, met at my home and immediately just hit it off and uh, had a rich conversation that night with a group of people that were here at my home. And um, we extended that conversation, it seems like over and over and over for the next several months. Uh, And it would be either on my couch or my patio or DJ's patio at his home. Um, Sometimes it's just two of us. Sometimes we'd have other people involved in that conversation or dialogue as well. and the more we yeah. were having this rich conversation, we felt like we were we felt like we were missing someone, right? We felt like there was a group of others that should be involved in this conversation, i.e., an audience, to share this with and to, to help them uh, will help us contemplate these issues and these thoughts that we were having, and to um, uh, to to use it as you know a platform to to share voices that we don't think typically are heard, you know, uh, in our, in our, our society. So that was, that was was more or less the the beauty of how this whole thing started. And, uh, it just, you know, grew from there.
0: Amazing. Anything to add DJ? Mm -hmm.
2: No, I, I think Charles hit it. And, you know, I think, um, it started with us wanting to have really conscious conversations and have other folks be a part of it and hopefully find some value in it. Uh, what it's sort of come down to is we're learning along the way and hopefully adding some value at the same time. And we're in year three and we couldn't be happy with where we are.
0: So this is uh, our second challenge today. It's actually really rare that my internet goes out, but as I just told you, um, it's kind of an overcasty day today in Lake Tahoe. Mm-hmm. And um, as soon as that happens, um, you know, we have snowstorms and windstorms, and all the things, um, our connection gets all in unstable or maybe it's a sign from the universe that I should really be taking some vacation um, but you know I think this is actually a really good uh, example of hybrid work and remote work and like being disconnected during a meeting and you know that challenge that it brings into as well to like have people more patient and things like that so we'll just work with what we have and we keep our conversation going <laughs>
1: we'll work with what we have and I gotta tell you you know one of our earlier conversations was around empathy right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to tell you that, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of empathy for you because you're in Lake Tahoe, like <laughs> of all places like that is such a beautiful, amazing place <laughs> to live, uh, to be able to spend time. Uh, so it like, is, I, can yes. say that I feel bad for you.
0: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a terrible place to live. Um, but anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Live there? you. I do live here full-time. Oh yes.
2: my gosh. I'm going to rub it in and tell us you live there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really beautiful place. Um, no,
2: congratulations. Yeah, exactly. I'm jealous.
0: Charles, um, you were mentioning, you know, we were, t- we were starting to talk about obviously the setup of your business, but also how you've been just perceiving the industry, um, you know, forming and evolving around this hybrid model Um, and you've been saying that it's been a really interesting and never seen kind of environment you've been navigating in Um, what do you see as the biggest challenges why people are hiring so many new people and people leaving and all these different things
1: yeah I think the big challenge quite frankly is getting people to change their paradigm about work Mm. and you know we're all attempting to go back to what work was and what work meant Mm pre-pandemic. I think what we're finding is that we have an entire workforce um, that has taken a view that, wait a minute, I kind of like this, Mm -hmm. like this works for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, That 45 minute to an hour commute that, you know, ate into not only my time, but also my financial resources, right? Or the, you know, that 60, 70 hour work week, sometimes long, depending on what you do. Um, I found that I can be just as productive sitting at home and, and enjoying time with my family and friends um, and, and being connected to what is happening in that environment versus just, you know, always being focused on my work and what that what that requires from me. So I think having that 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 paradigm shift and change, and at the same time, for a lot of people feeling like, "Wow, I'm just as productive. I'm getting more work done. Um, I can do this and can be just as impactful to my company from home." Um, and and the idea of having to completely shift back to, you know, getting back in the car, or making the drive, or catching the train, um, or whatever that we do or how we get there, um, has really it doesn't resonate with people as much and. And at the same time, you know, people are saying, well, you know, and I want to be paid more <laughs> while we're at it, yeah. <laughs> we need more to do this too. And so mm-hmm. I think we've got, you know, these, these factors that, you know, it's almost like, you know, we got the genie out of the bottle. How do we put it back in? And that's the difficulty because now folks feel like they they're empowered in a different way, which is why we saw this great resignation. You know, I think I heard this the other day, 45 million people in the last year quit their jobs.
0: Wow. wow.
1: I mean, think about it. We're a country of 350 million people and all of us don't work, right? You know, all of us can't work. You know, we're not of an age or we, we are mm-hmm. retired or, um, you know, we're in school of some sort, right? So our working population is probably half that maybe. That's a significant part of our population that has said, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think what employers are trying to do right now is, you know, in some cases, force people into no you have to come back to work. Um, and to some extent, I just think that's just not going to, it's not going to win the day. I think we're gonna have to look at it very differently. And I struggle with it myself as a business owner. Like I, you know, I'm a person who hasn't spent one day working from home. Not one. I've many offers every single day from the start of the pandemic. Um, Meeting a small group of leaders in our organization. We did go to a remote model for a number of our, our, our staff employees, um, but several of us just needed that routine of going into the office every day. Um, we're now, as a company, entirely back in the office, um, but it hasn't been a scenario of where people just felt like they wanted or needed to be at home. Most of our folks, all of our folks, quite frankly, have you know all said, you know we enjoy being here every day. We need that interaction. So it's just, it's different strokes for different folks, but I think- by and large, when you're talking about massive corporations that have many, many more employees than I do in my small group of, uh, of folks, um, there's a different dynamic about work beans and how people go about it.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know, I find that really interesting because I'm thinking, yes, it totally makes sense to the individual, right? Like the individual wants to have more freedom, wants to have the flexibility. Totally makes sense. Like I was in the same boat like a few years ago, right? Which is why I decided to obviously start my own business. But what about the the leaders? What about the company overall, right? Like when we're looking at the leadership perspective and especially, you know, like at, at bigger corporations, like maybe not even just bigger corporations, but maybe especially the bigger corporations that were thriving off of building big campuses and making, you know the office work as comfortable for their employees as possible now, you know, have these multi probably billion projects and real estate and that they invested in to bring their employees into work. And now they quit their jobs because they don't want to come back. Um, how do you, how do you balance that?
1: Well, even I don't though, know. I, you know, and I'll let DJ speak on this. I, you know, what what I struggle with is, you know, some of the things I mentioned earlier is that, how long can people do this? At some point, you would think that, you know, my bills have got to get paid, my rent, my mortgage, um, all the things that, you know, are that create lifestyle. Right? Um, and so I just wonder how sustainable it is over the long term. You know, there's a lot of people that will tell you that, look, this is here to stay. This hybrid work model is not yeah. going away. People are going to have to, companies are going to have to adapt. Uh, but the practicality, the practical, the practical person in me wonders how that actually works. If the paycheck is held over here, right, and you know, and life is dependent upon that paycheck, that transaction, I could be absolutely wrong. I just don't know how it all works.
2: Yeah, I think it's the paycheck. It's the culture. A lot of it lies on that side. I spent almost 20 years with Nike, which is that large global iconic company that you speak of, and I can't imagine building or cultivating a culture remotely. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a company that relied on its culture to Mm -hmm. attract talent, Mm -hmm. to win together, sometimes lose together, to build together. These shared experiences became the foundation for a lot of the culture, and that doesn't exist or people come back because they feel like they have to come back to work three days a week Mm -hmm. now. What does that do to the culture? Mm -hmm. So Nike has uh, shifted from a three day a week versus, you know,
0: pre-pandemic
2: a five day. day. Um, And people are feeling like, man, we have to go back now Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And Mm -hmm. prior to that, they really enjoy being in the office. Mm -hmm. So people who've come on board, and never had to be in the office, which there are a fair number of employees who also have never had to go to an office. It's a different experience for them. I think it's really, really challenging to cultivate a culture.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Charles, you actually talked about the paradigm shift. And I'm thinking, as we were just really literally just speaking about this as well, I'm also thinking this is even a value shift, right? And we all know how important values are to our overall happiness and to feeling connected to our work and because of really that exposure that people had right during this pandemic um to a uh, flexibility to working from home to working from wherever you wanted to. I have, you know, tons of friends that traveled the world for two years and worked from wherever they wanted to because they could, and were able to combine that lifestyle of, you know, discovering new cultures and discovering new countries while they were making the the great paycheck that they have, um, working for their company remotely. And you realized it actually works, right? So I think that's something probably really interesting and important for organizations to look at as well because literally the values of their employees have changed because of the experiences that they were able to have.
1: Yeah, and I'm a little biased. You know, I actually, and and look, I respect all of those things. Like, and I think Mm -hmm. the ability to share in a good life experience is super important, right? You want to, everyone wants to have that piece of life be a part of what, you know, they are able to do Um, and not have to wait for vacation, you know, Mm -hmm. twice a year, right? You want to be able to experience it all the time in in, in what you do and weave and woven into into, like your everyday life. Um, But I think the difficulty for some, particularly for someone where I sit, you know, and when I look at it from the standpoint of, okay, then what compromises are we willing to work to make for that? Um, are we expecting the same 10% raise or that same salary increase for a new job? You know, I look at it from a perspective of, you know, as organizations, and maybe this is an organizational problem that you know organizations have to figure out a cure for, but I've made in millions to your point earlier. I've made millions and millions of dollars on oh, no, investments in, in real estate, in Creating the office environment of the future, right, where people can come in and be productive, and have access to you know the best foods and vendors who come in, and you know the ergonomical workspace and chairs and all those things that you invest in as an organization. Um, how can you not want to leverage those things and not utilize those things when the expense on them is tremendous? And also to DJ's point, I think it's really hard to not, to, I mean, to build culture. Um, On Zoom, or you know, in a meeting throughout the day, I think it's really hard to do. Um, you know, I I I had a I had a we had a meeting yesterday with my team uh, at work, and it was probably the best forty-five minutes we spent together, Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
1: in months because we were able to bring a lot of ideas and experiences together and laugh and commiserate and at the same time focus on the work that we were doing and how important it is and the impact that we're making. I don't know if you do that through Zoom really well. It's just different.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just a a question of time. Maybe people need to have the experience that they are not as productive or not as, um, like they can't create as um, much syner- synergy effects if they're not sitting together, you know? And I think... Maybe it requires another type of crisis to to get to that point that, you know, even individuals and employees that are maybe not as connected to the overall goal of the company than, you know, leaders are um, to say, we actually recognize now how important it is to be together.
1: For sure. And then along those lines, if you want to work from home, you know, and and that's more of a experiential piece that you want to have, is that worth a 20% reduction in pay? I don't
2: know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you also have shareholders and stakeholders that'll make the connection for you mm-hmm. uh, as well, too. This is true.
0: Yeah. You know, so one interesting thing um, that we've been kind of mentioning, and I do want to express and share that since this is one of the most important topics that I talk about all the time is the great resignation. You know, you said 45 million Americans left their job or changed their job. I did a lot of digging around the great resignation for video that I published a few weeks a uh, few months ago now, I think, because I was really curious to learn more about the reasons of why people quit their jobs. And I found um in Inc. magazine there was an article in January 2022 that the number one reason for employees leaving their jobs was actually burnout. 40% of people said they're leaving their jobs because they're feeling burned out. And also interesting, reason number three. Of the great resignation were was leaving to seek more caring cultures where they feel like the company cares about well-being and they are more comfortable at speaking about mental health issues. So I think oftentimes we think, or people even think, I'm working from home, I am more productive. But what we've seen a lot happening during that time as well. And there's a lot of other research that actually shows. People burned out more and more because they were working from home. They were never disconnected. They like immediately turned on their computer in the morning, turned it off last thing before they went to bed because because nobody saw them being in the physically in the office, right? Because we were not working in the office, they felt almost even more forced to forced to constantly be on and to constantly respond to messages, to constantly um, fill that presence with just being connected.
2: So Julia, let me ask you this. You talked about some of your friends. You don't have to put anybody on the spot. (laughs) Your friends that went from in-person to remote, just in your calculation, how many of them would you say worked harder when they were in remote zone?
0: Great question. Let me think about this. I, I would say they probably worked as much as they did before because before they would maybe commute two or three hours right um to the office per day which was kind of a you know a lot a lack of time and now they were working from home you know maybe two or three hours less but it was more productive two or three hours
1: what what about this though I'm just gonna like offer a scenario yeah. What if you, let's say you lived in.
0: Tahoe? Uh,
1: <laughs> I'm gonna get there. Let's say you lived in um, Sherman Oaks, right outside LA. Okay. You had a commute that was, I don't know, seven, eight miles to actually from wherever you live to your office, but it took you an hour and 15 minutes to get there, there and home, right? Mm-hmm. Pandemic hits. And um, you move to Lake Tahoe, and all of a sudden, you're in Lake Tahoe, you're working remotely, you're in Zoom. And yeah, you're, first thing, you, the moment you wake up in the morning, boom, checking your email. Before you go to bed at night, boom, checking your email, right? But at 10 o'clock, you go, you know, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go to the gym right now, or the waves are high. Yeah, well,
0: you know, the the snow <laughs> is good. It's <you> know, <laughs> no <snow>. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Or, or at, yeah,
1: at three, at three o'clock, you know, right before you know, it gets a little too warm or too cold, depending on the time of the year. I'm going to go walk Sparky. Mm-hmm. Sparky hasn't been out for a walk today.
2: Or I'm going to take my car in at eleven o'clock. And there's no way you would have done that, you know, when you so so I think at the end of the day, burnout feeling burned out and being burned out to me might not be the same thing. Mm -hmm. Burned out to me is you can't do anymore. Thinking you can't do anymore might not be the same as you really can't do anymore. So I think the burnout feeling may come a little quicker because people have other things. COVID was real. We had a lot of going on. Mm -hmm. So the perception that I'm burned out in some cases might not really be burnout i don't know if folks have really felt burnout
0: but that's the thing it's just a personal perception right and i think first of all maybe you feel burned out but we all know how like you know the physical body and the the emotional like how the Mm -hmm. spirit are connected and so when you are thinking when you're feeling burned out it obviously will give you physical feelings as well of you know feeling burned out so that's super connected I I agree right like at first maybe there might be the feeling but then over time you might actually experience physical symptoms
2: and then the solution is hey I need to go for a run at you know two o'clock in the Mm -hmm. afternoon and nobody's looking at
0: me I actually think that you know you're giving that specific example of like you know they're going for they're going to the gym at 10 o'clock or they're you know going out on a mountain or whatever I think people that actually do do that actually have a better lifestyle and they are more productive. I think those people will actually be more performant at work because they take better care of themselves. I don't think that those people are the problem. I think the, you know, I think that that life's not, not really people, right? I think that's not the lifestyle that causes these problems. I think it's more of um, the people that stayed in the Bay Area, for example, right, that they stayed in Silicon Valley, they didn't, you know, I mean, obviously, there were there was a lot of movement, you know, people worked to maybe uh, moved into more remote areas, but not everyone did that, right? I mean, there's obviously people that did, but, you know, people stayed in San Jose, or in Palo Alto, and they kept working the way they did. And because that's still their work, right? That's still how they connected, they didn't think about Oh, I'm at home now. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go to the gym because they didn't have those facilities from their company available anymore easily. So, you know, so they work more and they don't take enough breaks. They don't go to the gym. They, you know, I think almost those campuses and I've obviously worked at a campus like that myself for a couple of years. They actually promoted that. Like I went to the, when I worked on campus, I went to the gym every single day because Mm -hmm. it was just part of my routine when I moved to Lake Tahoe full time and started my own business, it actually took me probably a year or two to get into the, in back into the same routine. Right. Because I did like, I didn't have a gym right away available and right. It's a little bit of a lifestyle shift. So, so yeah, so I think that's not really.
1: And, and look, I don't begrudge anyone. Like I think, no. I, I think, I think the ability to have a different approach to life, right. And to, work when work is convenient and to do the other things that are convenient as well. Like there's nothing convenient about having to go to the doctor when it takes you six months to get an appointment and the appointment is at 10.30 in the morning. You're like, oh my God, it wrecks my day and I have to tell my boss I need time off. Like to have that trade off, to be able to do those things, I think that's important. I think that's a really good part of this way of working now. I think that's really great. I think for those that you do talk about who struggle, who work too hard, right, in this moment in time, They were doing that before the pandemic too, right? I would totally agree. I I would think to your point about, you know, if you're working in Silicon Valley, you're working on Wall Street, you are busting your butt. You were working really long hours before that, right? And maybe it's just a culmination of all these things taking its toll and this is where you are now. Mm
2: -hmm. And, you know, I think some of it's generational too. Julia, I don't think we can ignore that. I think about my grandmother, who was 25 years working in a factory at Kellogg Company. And her concept of burnout was much different than my concept of burnout, right? Burnout for her was, you know, she literally had the flu and couldn't get up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think she missed one day of work and I'm not exaggerating in 25 years. So I think some of it is generational. Um, You know, the psychographics that enter into it. I'm not suggesting everyone that goes for a run at two o'clock is is being lazy or doesn't want to work. I'm not at all. I do think we have to ask at some point What values are we purveying and encouraging when we become more and more tolerant of some of the behaviors that we see? Now, I I know firsthand some people are literally just not working as smart or as hard. They've got things scheduled throughout the day that there's just no way. I know other people who fall into the zone that you talked about. This has actually helped them balance quality of life. They're doing stuff at eight o'clock at night now, work-wise, because they've scheduled their day that way. So I think it really depends on the person and what they see at the end of the road for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think people coming into an environment that's remote, they have a major adjustment to make when it's time to go back into the office now. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, it's all, you know, again, you know, to the individual, right? And you talk about mental health. I do think that's really real. I think that's really important. But to DJ's point, I think there is a shift in generations around the purpose and meaning of work and how we all work within the confines of what that environment says it is today versus what it says it was or what it was, you know, 50 years ago when my grandfather worked in the mills and had his the tip of his finger cut off and went back to work the next day. They're like, "What does workers comp didn't exist, right?" So it's just very different. It, it has always evolved and it's evolving now. Um, now I'm reading a book right now called um, "Wisdom at Work," and uh, it's about um, I think the guy's name is Chip Conley, who was the uh, he was the founder of Javoy Hotel Chain. He sold his company when he was fifty. I think around 2013, and then um, the founders of Airbnb um, essentially coaxed them into coming out of retirement and coming to work for them as their, so that they're chief strategists within the organization. And it talks about how the older generation of workers and entrepreneurs and business people who can be elders, they call them, he's calling them, um, you know, people who could be mentors and elders at the same time and support these high-level CEOs that may be half our age, right? Maybe not half our age, but say 20 years younger uh, and recognize the differences in work today and how their approach is. And they'll learn from one another, right? Not just to be the person who's conveying knowledge and experience and emotional intelligence, but also learning from this tech savvy generation that is quick and knows how to do things in the snap of a finger. Um, that we all can benefit from. And I think a lot of that is taking the dynamics of the workplace today. And there are some things that are antiquated around how perhaps DJ and I came up in age as employees and then as leaders in organizations and the expectations that we have and trying to mold that into what this young generation of workers wants and expects. And I'd be the first to admit that I have a difficult time sometimes sort of understanding where that's all coming from but as I read this book, I get more and more ingrained in the notion that, you know, there's some given to how I need to think and perhaps be a lot more, um, you know, accepting and certainly a lot more gracious around how people view work today and what that means.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so f- from your perspective, Charles, you know, as you, you know, you were saying, obviously, you're recruiting um, talent, right? Um do you see those requests more and more? Do people like come to you and say, "You know, I want to have a remote job because I don't want to go back into the office." Is that kind of the the theme that you're seeing, or is it all different kinds of reasons? I see
1: it a lot. You know, I see it a lot. I see it. Uh, I see it not only for uh, the the recruiting work we do for our clients, but I see it. I see it in my own efforts of trying to. I literally, you know, you know, we'll post a job for internal work, and I literally got a resume from someone yesterday. Um, who um, is in Louisiana, works at Louisiana State University. I was like, why'd they apply for this job? And it never hit me. Um, my wife and business partner said to me, well, she wants to work remote. Yeah. So I left her a voicemail, sent her, sent her a note and be email, and she emailed me back. Literally, I got an email from her this morning saying, thank you for, for reaching out. I'm very interested in your role. We'll learn to talk more. No, I'm not moving to Arizona. I'm actually looking for full-time remote work. And I went, yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. It's just a different mindset. You know, 10 years ago, you would never apply for a job in another city that you didn't have any intention of moving to. Today is much more commonplace that people will know one of the first questions that people will ask our recruiters when they reach out to them about a job. They'll say, well, is this job remote? Mm -hmm. And the answer is no. Most times they aren't interested
2: and Julia, I think, I think there's another concept that enters into play that Charles and I talk a lot about. And I think some of the focus at times is on short-term happiness, mm-hmm. and that creates a whole set of decisions mm-hmm. versus a really long-term flourishing self-optimization, self-actualization mindset.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And sometimes I think we see some of these behaviors more aligned with short-term happiness, as opposed to the compromises that need to be made to establish a flourishing mindset, which is much more longer focused.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you tell me more about that? I find that very interesting.
2: Yeah, you know, um, happiness is fleeting and Charles is going to get tired of this example, And I don't love examples, (laughs) but he's heard it probably 20 times now, but (laughs) I talk about a drug addict having the ability to be happy when they get their fix, Mm -hmm. but they're never flourishing as long as Mm -hmm. they're addicted to substances. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes when we aren't focused on the long-term trajectory of what self-optimization really is, And self-actualization, fully realizing our potential, such as you making a move to become an entrepreneur, right? That's a whole different Mm ballgame. As opposed to, I've got to figure out a way to fit work into happiness, which you could tell Charles and I kind of struggle with that. Because you have to be able to shift that happiness focus a bit to flourishing and find happiness in flourishing. I think it's just two different mindsets and I'm not saying work yourself to the bone, but what you choose to find happiness in is sometimes a decision.
1: Uh, DJ and I have this ongoing dialogue Um, and maybe look again, generationally we think differently and I think we're in a different space around where we are in life and why we're where we are in life. Uh, I think that's just as important. And part of that is the notion that nothing's easy, right? Hard work is a prerequisite. And you have to be willing to go through something to get to the other side. And look, I'm not suggesting that people don't work hard and they're not working hard. I think the picture of what hard work looks like is very different today. And so when I think about what I've wanted in life and what I wanted to achieve, I knew what I had to do to get there. And I was thinking about the long term and I was thinking about what I would need to do to accomplish the things that were really, really important to me, not in that moment. In that moment, I knew I needed to learn a skill. I knew I needed to have certain types of experiences that would allow me to build on them to be better at what I did, whatever that was. Um, And that the long term goal was that I would have some level of financial independence, that I would achieve some level of knowledge and experience that people would value and feel is worth paying for in some
2: shape or form. And I also think, Julia, you know, just the the whole concept of not to just bring it back to the baseline going into the office, but we enter the office place with a physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual mindset that's cognizant of other people. When we're sitting at home and, you know, underwear and a t-shirt, tapping on the computer, eating a bowl of oatmeal and drinking coffee. That's great. And it's relaxing and it feels good, but it is a bit of a different mindset than sitting in a meeting, knowing somebody's looking at you or you're a mentor to someone. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just about individually, what are we gaining out, But also part of that going into the office for me was I knew I had to show up and be the first one there. And that really mattered to me. So I think there's a lot that comes with that. That's not just, um, and again, I'm with Charles. I am not suggesting at all. I mean, I've taught college students for years. Things are different Mm -hmm. and I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we don't know what hard work is until we have to compromise and give up some things. And what are we willing to give up, right? That's just the question. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I think all of the topics that you are bringing up, they're all so important. And we could probably do a podcast episode on each of them. But <laughs> I, uh, you know, what I'm thinking as well as is that, you know, I, I get all of these different things. And the difficulty is really for the leaders of these organizations to decide what are we going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if we if we say you have to come back to the office and obviously, you know, everyone is kind of finding that three day kind of sweet spot at the moment, but they are almost forced to do that, right? Because all the others are doing it. And then, you know, if, if they don't follow suit, then, you know, their employees will leave and say, I want to be at a company that has more flexibility. So yeah, it's not an easy, it's not at all an easy topic and an easy answer. Obviously, you know, there, there there's so many different um, aspects of that, but you know, the other topic um, that I, you know, that is perfectly now aligned with with this, this is the question, how do we exit this crisis mode? How do we exit crisis mode in general? And um, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I mean, briefly from my perspective, it's it's a focus on human flourishing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, crisis mode is oftentimes indicated by debilitating behaviors that we don't necessarily realize are going on uh, in the workplace as a function of the culture and what we've adopted, et cetera. Um, and it also has to do with self-preservation. You know, we're not operating in a way. We're protecting ourselves and operating in security, not flourishing and self-actualizing. So we need to be cognizant about what those behaviors are that are crisis-based behaviors and make a shift into a flourishing mindset. And flourishing, you know, we're talking about financial, physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. Mm-hmm. And putting at the center of that self-optimization, not that short-term happiness where we got these highs and lows. And it's not a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more of a marathon. The a
0: marathon. Yeah,
2: yeah it, it really is. And, you know, um, we've got to be cognizant about making that shift and find the right environment. But the right environment isn't always steeped in flexibility.
0: The, the right environment is oftentimes not the external environment, right? It's what we make it based on Absolutely the internal changes right. that we are making.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Number one, mm-hmm. you, you said it. You know, I
1: was going to say the exact same thing relative to the internal piece, because I really do believe that crisis exists on the inside more so than anything. Um, and I think, you know, gosh, I hate to sound like the old man here, <laughs> um, but I think that what what experience and time on this earth has taught me is that there are very few crises that you can't overcome, mm-hmm. right, depending on how your perspective is and why you internalize it. I mean, there's a gift and opportunity in everything, right? The only crisis that is one that's probably fatal is if it's okay. fatal right? When we don't wake up the next day, there you go. I mean, that's the crisis, right? But if we have the opportunity to get up and do it again tomorrow, we have the opportunity now to take whatever that was yesterday, that we were so wrapped up in that was the end of the world. Now we can look at it from a different vantage point. And if we use whatever tools we have in our toolbox, whatever that may be for you as an individual, whether it's going for a good workout, or if it's you know going to a movie, or if it's calling a friend, or if it's uh, if it's meditating, um, whatever we have at our disposal to look at this situation and the scenario differently, and go, you know, today's a new day. I have an opportunity to do things differently. I have a whole new perspective on what happened, and I think that there's an opportunity to to build on that scenario that was so bad and create something new and create a new circumstance or situation um or just to start over start all all over new and have a new outlook and and do things in a way where we don't just accept the internal piece that says we feel bad but this decide that you know we make a choice around how we're going to approach whatever's next
2: and i do think julia just to add you know there are some real uh, issues and ramifications that came out of COVID, you know, people lost loved ones and people have, you know, their health has been compromised, et cetera. And that's shifted some people's mindset to uh, quality of life has been reframed now and work means something different. Right. Um, and that's real. And I appreciate that at the same time, as you mentioned, we have, you know, sets of employers that um, have got stock prices to manage. They've got shareholders and stakeholders. So trying to find that common ground can be very difficult. So I think there needs to be compromise on both ends. I think the question at the end of the day is, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. I mean, when you have Jamie Dimon at Chase Bank and Elon Musk at Tesla who say, you want to work here? Yeah. You got to come back to work. Yep. I don't know if that's the right answer either, right? I don't know. I have no idea. But I think that what will happen is time will tell us, you know. Time will tell us who wins that conversation. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. What happens
1: to Tesla? What happens to Chase Bank? Do they thrive? Do they flourish as organizations? Or do they not, right? Mm-hmm. We 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 get to see over time how these decisions or how these perspectives impact what happens in the course of time. So we'll just have to
0: see. You will see, yeah. One of the things that you were saying, Charles, um, reminded me of something a friend said to me the last time I was in a crisis mode and I I just kind of it made me think of it because I hadn't thought about it in a while Um, and it was something really powerful that actually kind of helped me through this Um, and the uh, the quote that she actually wrote in a card for me was from John Lennon and he said everything will be okay in the end and if it's not okay it's not the end um and I think it's you know it's very beautifully summarizing kind of what you were saying about like that fatality and that we're sometimes you know looking at these things as crisis and we're interpreting it that way but there's always the next you know the next day we wake up and there's another opportunity Um, and I actually had a really beautiful podcast interview this morning with um, a guy named Joel Green I don't know if you know him DJ and he actually is um the director of the Nike um, National Camps. Um, and uh, yeah, it was I funny. Know, I do know who
2: he is. Performer cool, yeah. player. yeah,
0: Performer. Yeah, yeah. professional athlete. Um, and yeah, and we were talking about the struggle and how to, uh, you know, reframe the struggle into something positive. And all of everything that we're experiencing right now, we don't have an answer, right? We're going to finish this podcast today. We're not having an answer. And I am super, super curious to hear from any podcast listener that thinks that they have another perspective to share um, or another idea of how to find a solution for this problem that we are facing at the moment. Because I think, as we all know, from problems, innovation arises. And we will maybe see something that we are all not thinking of at the moment because we can't imagine it, right? We couldn't imagine two years ago that we would all go home and work from home. I, I remember sitting at home thinking, oh, this is crazy, you know, they're talking about the pandemic going on for another year. And I was like, never, never ever people will go back to the office next week, right? And then all of a sudden here we were working from home for two years, which is a very long time. And so I just think, you know, everything is possible and our human mind just needs to stretch a little bit further to also find a solution to this problem. Yeah, yeah,
1: I think, right. the, I think in part of the way that we find another solution is to keep having this dialogue. The more of us that do this and have this conversation, because I think what it requires is it requires that we all hear each other, that we all listen Mm -hmm. to what perspectives are being shared. And that increases understanding. And when we have more understanding, we behave differently. Um, And we give people grace. And ultimately we're able to um, share in how we view what things should look like because hopefully we can come to common ground and we can come to a place where you know I understand what your needs are, you understand what my needs are. Let's work mm-hmm. towards a solution
0: exactly. to make this happen
1: for all of us. And I think if we keep this dialogue going and share it with more people and you know all have more willingness to listen and to be open, then we can
0: figure it out. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Well, I uh, it was my absolute pleasure to talk with you today about this topic. So thank you so so much for taking the time to meet with me and to sit here and to have this really important conversation. I really enjoyed this. What is next for you and the, your podcast?
2: Well, we, we want to keep opening up, uh, the minds of our listeners through conscious conversations and dialogue and continue to bring intellect in a way that's stimulating and inspiring. That's really our goal. Mm -hmm. And we hope to keep doing that. We hope we've been doing that. We hope we keep doing
1: Yeah. I don't know if I have a different answer. I think that part of uh, what we want to do is keep um, getting an opportunity to talk with inter- interesting people like you who allow us to think and grow and to learn. Cause I think that's super important. Um, yeah. And expand these conversations, you know, and uh, you know, the, the the beautiful thing about what you're doing and your work is that people are listening and that people value what you share and they, um, they want to share that with others. And so I think that, you know, this is how we get to make this world better.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And you'll probably hear from our producer uh, requesting that you be on our show if you don't mind being in the hot seat for a little while. Uh-huh. Yeah, and yeah, then- exactly.
1: We got a lot of leaked yeah.
0: time. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure. You're welcome to come here and go record it in my studio.
2: Okay, well, fair enough. thank
0: you so much, DJ and Charles. Um, I wish you all the best and I'm super excited to be part of the conscious fight as well.
2: Oh, thank you very much. Okay. Be well. You well. thanks for your time, we appreciate it. Thank you.